Hello and welcome to Free the Belly podcast with me, Luana Landolt Dierger. On this podcast, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why I decided to do this, my own journey to free my belly, and speak to some extraordinary and ordinary people about their own journey regarding the topic. So, on to why I chose the name Free the Belly. Well, the reason for it is that I found that through my own quest for better health, that many of us hold tension in the center of our bodies, and that this can get in the way of us living pain-free and authentic lives. We all have tensions or blockages on some level that can manifest themselves very differently, whether that be physical, mental, spiritual, or even emotional. And we're all at different stages of this journey of overcoming these limitations. Some of us are still identifying them while others are actively working on it or even resolving them. Some of these tensions may be holding in our breath as a result of trauma, suffering from digestive or gut issues that keep us from doing the things that we love, or even sucking in our tummies to appear in a certain way. It could be not allowing our gut feeling to be heard in our professional and personal lives, repressing our creativity to fit into social norms and perfectionist ideals, or expressing self-isolation due to withholding from emotional intimacy. The list can go on and on. On this podcast, I will speak to different individuals from all walks of life, medical and health professionals, motivational speakers, business owners, mothers, parents, and many more who will share with us their stories about how they freed their bellies and how they help others free their own. And now on to our fourth guest, Louise de Monton, yoga and mindfulness coach with over a thousand hours of training. She now also runs yoga teacher training as well as online classes and retreats all the while being a mother to baby twin boys. She began her career studying and working internationally, applying her love of education to several human rights and charity roles. It was after trying yoga class, and despite her initial skepticism, that Louise began to understand the power of self-connectedness. She soon fell in love with the practice as it taught her self-compassion and redefined what self-acceptance meant to her something she today passes on to others to help them reconnect with themselves. Today she shares with us several of the important lessons that helped her and her journey towards self-acceptance and contentment, as well as the importance of self-awareness in our search for love and well-being as a means to reconnect with our emotion in an honest and healthy way. Enjoy! Louise, thank you again so much for being here. I'm just so privileged. I'm cannot believe that our dogs actually introduced us to I know in the most impolite way <laughs> oh so it, yes I was eating chicken because I thought I would you know have a meal outside and get some vitamin D and uh Jet came and took my my chicken bone out right so out worried. of your hand <laughs> but I was so worried for her most of all no um, she's absolutely capable of ingesting anything <laughs> unlike us she really can digest everything and uh, I also realised that Dash and Jet are both synonyms for speedy and something moving fast maybe they were always meant to meet yes Yeah. I realised that the other day wow I hadn't thought of that there was something fast quickly something with great force (laughs) well yeah I mean they both they both have big characters and oh, personalities yeah. I love that about them. I love that and I love that they're, they're their own people but 
I mean, we could we could go on for, about dogs for, for yes. a long time, but Louise, can you tell us a little bit more? So you're a yoga teacher um, with how many hours? 500 hours in total? Or no, more. More, more yeah. Ooh, 600 hours of training. 600 hours. Thousands of hours of teaching, actually, which wow. I really has been such an amazing journey in and of itself. Um, and now I run teacher trainings, which has sort of been the dream, actually. I remember when I first did my first yoga teacher training and I thought, my God, it'd be so amazing to be experienced enough and confident enough to actually teach other teachers. Yeah. And then when I started, I got, I got asked to do it. And I'm not going to lie to you, I had been working with a manifestation for a while in my journal writing about how I really wanted the next step in my teaching career, that I was getting frustrated by the um, repetition of just teaching class after class after class, but I didn't know what the next step should be. Mm. And um, I started visualising myself running big retreats or doing like more kind of events or running teacher trainings. And then I got a call from my yoga studio saying we want you to run the next 200 hours and the next yin training so but I mean that's something that you already had within you I mean I, I read up on on all the work that you did before coming into the yoga world I mean worked in human rights commissions studied Arabic in Oman mm -hmm. lived in Ghana to run a project finding against disability discrimination with a focus on sustainable inclusivity of disabled mm -hmm. communities I mean <laughs> That's I feel like that's a podcast in itself. Oh, it's a yeah. whole life that you lived. Yeah. But you obviously so there was a bit of teaching in that as well, no? Yeah, I mean I've always worked with like young people and sort of not not being a teacher per se, but very much kind of in that realm. Um, but I've always just felt this desire to like help people, and mm. I, I do think it's a lot to do with my upbringing. But I really, um, I really felt drawn to working in human rights, basically. Mm. But every single job I had, whether that was in a charity or a human rights commission or whatever, I realised that the actual team that I was working with, especially when I became more like, I, I ran, I was the director of a, a an educational charity, mm -hmm. stuff like that, every single person experienced basically anxiety or high-level stress and would therefore not be able to commit to the, their job and doing their work in a way that was really effective and powerful because they themselves weren't that okay. And like I started to realise, okay, it's not just this group of um, Muslim people that are being discriminated against or this group of disabled children who can't have access to education. It's actually everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. we... I do believe we we are in the state that we're in with the planet and the world because we collectively need to heal. And so then as I was doing all this yoga, I was like, oh my God, I I need to heal. Like I'm actually not that okay either. Mm. And so I'm trying to do all this stuff to help other people and it's not really seeming to make that big of a difference and I don't know why. And so then I really was like, wow, I actually think we need to take it right back to just individuals like taking responsibility for how we are and whether we can actually feel better by not carrying around so much stuff pain, pain and 
trauma, whether that's big T or little T, doesn't matter. I've started to find that I didn't need to choose the demographic of person that I wanted to help. I needed to just be open and available. And for me, that that route was through teaching yoga to actually help anyone who wanted to um, connect back to themselves emotionally. Because I really think that when you're in touch with yourself emotionally, you don't cause harm to other people and you don't cause harm to the planet. So then we've kind of solved the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. Just do yoga. <laughs> Huge advocate for yoga. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, your inner compass. Um, Louise, you, you mentioned your upbringing. Um, so what, what sort of upbringing did you have? Well, I was brought up by a um, father who is an acupuncturist. And he um, is an incredibly philosophical man who really deeply cares about um sort of humanity and the planet and Mm -hmm. all of these things in in a more sort of esoteric way you know he's really interested in the bigger questions and like why are we here and how are we Mm -hmm. here and whoa mind blown so I had this sense of awe and wonder already Uh, and then my mother who also brought me up obviously was um a Counselor, so she was oh. very much um, aware of and in tune with people's emotions. She's she's a hundred percent an empath. In the empath means that you feel what other people are experiencing and feeling, and oh. you're hypersensitive. 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 And so I already had that. And then on top of that, when I was about ten or eleven, my mom actually started having flashbacks and re-experiencing trauma that she went through as a child, which was so destabilising for herself, but also for the rest of us. And it made me realise just, like, how vulnerable we are as people, as a species, and how much care and support and love and compassion is needed to, you know, look after each other. I really think that community is unbelievably essential for our mental health and it's completely disintegrated I mean I can't believe it I think this is the prime reason why I'm so happy having moved out of London into the countryside into this village where I had a conscious intention to build a community and I have done that and it feels like the best thing in the world do you feel like the move from like big London city life to to taking it all the way down to a smaller group of people like it removes that added pressure and then suddenly yeah I mean it's it's incredible how many friends and people I know in London Mm. versus how many people I know in my little tiny village in Hampshire it's like not many people at all and yet I the neighbors to the right of me are such incredible people the the guy is a he works with bees but not as a beekeeper as someone who creates sort of essentially like bee homes for wild bees and so he's promoting bees you know not to take away their honey but actually to support their I've, I've emailed hundreds of different places last year to see if I could have a bee hotel here oh. there's nothing being sold don't worry on the got, I've got you 
Oh, he, thank you. He's got a waiting list a mile long. Oh, yeah. Um, but but I see I can build my own, like if you have little bamboo sticks yeah, yeah. and then you do pyramids. So right literally down the path from my house, he is creating hundreds of them. He hollows out these huge tree trunks. Mm. He hand makes the straw kind of hats. And then his wife, Emily, who's a potter, makes the ceramic tops for them. Anyway, so she is now my pottery teacher and I am now her yoga teacher. And there's no exchange of money. It's just a beautiful exchange and it feels better than ever. Mm. And then to the other side of our house, there's a wonderful couple who sort of saw the level of intensity of raising twin boys and just said we would love to take them from you every Wednesday afternoon and just give you two, three hours to sleep or do whatever you like to do and then you can come and get them afterwards. And I was just blown away by this, like, kindness and generosity. And then I find, like, little bags of vegetables by my door in the summer that they've just left for me there. And just these, like, tiny things. That could happen in London. It's just that I think that we have created all these little boxes for ourselves in our flats that we live in Mm. and it's kind of like we're afraid of other people we're like lock the doors have cameras don't come in Mm -hmm. I don't even lock my door at night I probably should that's the dream (laughs) also we forgot how to ask for help we don't even know we don't I think the reason why there's less and less communities is because we are ashamed of asking for help because for some reason that has become something that's ugly or it shows that mm. you're not de- you know you're not independent that you yeah. lack the or skills that you're failing somehow yeah yeah totally and so through your many lives how do you see you know freeing the belly play play a role in your life well i think i really um started to recognize tension held in the body in in like a harmful way when I started practicing yoga because I'd honestly never even felt my body. Do you know what I mean? Like I I was very good at um, numbing, really. I just really didn't... I had this... I would always say, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. And I really meant it. I honestly thought I was absolutely fine. Like, no problem, no worries. Just carry on with life. Like, everything's fine. And then I started practicing yoga and I started to feel my body and these areas of tension. For me, it started in the hips and I would take a pose, like a pigeon pose, and I would be like affronted. I felt hysterical. I honestly didn't know where to put myself. And then I would gaze around the room and there were all these other people just like softly relaxing into their hips. And I was like, what is going on? And that was my first insight into how the body knows stuff that we are sort of subconsciously putting away, not not thinking about or not accepting or not recognising. And then as time went on, and definitely predominantly since being pregnant and having children, the way that my body and my belly and my whole center has felt is just so mind-blowing it's been such a journey I mean I can't I I I wish there was like a picture of me when I was pregnant with them at the end because oh I remember I ran into you and I was like 
are you too soon? And you're like, no, not for another four months. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, love you. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. It was wild. And so, I mean, I'd always just thought it would be quite straightforward. Obviously, I knew birth would be quite a big process. But then after that, I didn't really consider it. And I felt so ashamed of my body, of my belly to be honest, I felt so like, I, I know this sounds awful, but it's actually true. After having grown two humans in my body beautifully, you know, they're perfect to me, <laughs> and having birthed them, and then my body is producing milk to feed them, I still felt yeah. repulsed by my body, yeah. by my belly. Yeah. And that is so sad, you know. It's... I know, but I think it's important, and I think it's um, it's so nice for you to remind us that even when you are at quite an elevated sense of self and compassion and love, that that aspect of our lives is still predominant, is still mm. there, and it's yeah. still important. But what I really like is the story that comes next, and because when I spoke to you in December, that's how you felt, mm. and then call you in January and you're yeah. like it's all changed yeah well I I think I I don't know what sparked the change I think it was just the fact that I've had enough time you know they're nearly 15 months now that's quite a long time to process and also I only stopped breastfeeding when they were one so while I was still breastfeeding I still felt like my body was just not my body like it I loved breastfeeding them in lots of ways but in another way it felt like such a relief to stop because I just wanted to just have my hormones settle a bit and have my everything just settle down really and so they started sleeping better and I stopped breastfeeding and I just had a bit more time to be with myself and my body and my beautiful belly <laughs> and just be like I am so sorry that I rejected you after all that you did <laughs> because I thought that I wasn't what I should be somehow or that you know the conditioning in me is so deep that the fact that I don't have like a beautifully washboard stomach right now means that I'm not worthy somehow you know and so just having the time to sit with myself and journal a bit more and meditate and do breath work I mean all of these things I know they get thrown around a bit but it, it it's life-changing and so I was able to start to love my body in as a whole but also my belly again even though it hasn't changed from December to now you know it's not like I've suddenly lost loads of weight and now I love myself again it's yeah. really not that but but since having accepted myself for who I am and where I am and not just being like okay fine I accept you but being like my god you are an actual goddess like you grew human beings they're now functional human beings that walk around and say dada jet mama ball you know it's like it's mind-blowing that actually my body then started to transform and then started to change and that is what blew my mind I was like shit sorry it's not about changing myself to then love myself it's about loving myself first and then perhaps change if it needs to wow can come that's what I was just gonna say like what train of thought were you doing while you mm. were doing the journaling 
the meditation and all the work and that's it yeah don't put in the work to get to a result yeah um do you think we've like we've become a bit distanced with understanding how to love ourselves a hundred percent I don't actually think this may be a bit extreme I don't think we really even understand what love means I totally agree yeah yeah that's so sad I think it's because again like what I was saying about why I kind of changed my career in the first place is because most of us are looking for love in order to to actually heal ourselves in order to feel whole. I'm not talking about like, you know, when I say heal, I don't mean doing an ayahuasca ceremony and having some big, huge transformative experience and then becoming a healer. I literally just mean feeling whole in yourself and being able to accept your emotions and feel them and let them go and move on kind of thing and and be someone who feels well, has energy, isn't sick and, you know, has good relationships. I'm interrupting this episode to quickly tell you about my new free resource, the Wheel of Life workbook. Do you find yourself feeling anxious, lost, wondering what the hell you're supposed to be doing to find balance, health, joy, success? Don't worry, I've been there too, and so have many of my clients. But here's the thing, the key to figuring all this stuff out is to start having a clear picture of what your life is like currently. Once you know where you're at in all these areas in your life, from finance, career, education, to your health, relationships, and home environment, and everything in between, you can start getting a clear view of your life and figure out what's not working and what is. The Wheel of Life workbook is my favorite tool to use with my clients as it gives you the power to uncover what you really want in order to feel happy, healthy, and fulfilled. Download your copy of the Wheel of Life workbook now. Head over to www yourawellness.com forward slash free dash workbook that's www.yourawellness.com forward slash free dash workbook all right now back to the episode I think from my past experience with relationships as well as all of the people around me that I witnessed you know it's about filling something within us that we find is missing and looking for someone else or something else to make us feel whole and that is I think why one in three marriages probably fails (laughs) and why your relationship with yourself as well fails because you will go pick up the next hobby or the next whatever techniques and well for us because luckily somehow we've managed to find the journey that helps But for a lot of people, what they find, and has definitely been me in the past, is, you know, the pub, or drugs, or cigarettes, or junk food, or whatever it might be. All of those things are there because we don't feel okay, and we need to make ourselves feel better. Distractions of just dealing with it. But also actually feeling good in that moment. You know, you have that glass of wine and you feel good. And that's all you want. You just want to feel good. And like, you know, you have, mine is food. I'm just like such a comfort eater. Uh I like turn to buttered toast with Marmite whenever I'm sad. It's just like a, it's a thing. But now the new thing is if you eat it consciously (laughs) and enjoying every single bite of it, it's okay. Yeah. And knowing that actually I eat a very healthy, balanced diet in general. And sometimes 
if I'm feeling totally overwhelmed and totally exhausted and I've done a breath work and I've done yoga and nothing is going to hit the spot like buttered toast, I'm having it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with a bit of butter. Yeah. Did you have any idea of where you were headed before you, you set yourself on this journey of healing? No, it was a total curveball. Um, I had no... I was anti-yoga. Oh. I was so yang in my energy, which is the kind of, you know, um, active, bright, busy, lively, energetic side, that I completely neglected the more yin side, which is the soft, introspective, quiet, contemplative, even melancholic at times, you know. That was not an option for me. And the idea of going to a yoga class, because I, I was ignorant of what yoga was, I thought it was just kind of like boring. And why would I go to yoga when I could go spinning? You know, it's just ridiculous. And so I was very much like, no, not for me. Not for me. And I didn't do my first yoga class until I was 24 or 5. And then by the time I was, no, 23 or 4. And then by the time... I'd done it for literally one year. I was already doing my teacher training because I had done it multiple times a day, every single day without fail from the first day that I tried it. And what I love that you said when you came in, you said, whatever I try, if I don't like it at first, I always will try it again to Mm. just understand. To make sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's very easy to judge something before we've got it. Yeah. It take it takes a bit of time sometimes and I think yoga like I I said to you as well, yoga is is not a sport. It's a relationship that you're building with yourself through movement. So that is essential. <laughs> and yeah, if yoga is not for you, for for people out there, it's okay to not like yoga, but like the key thing is what you just said is whatever activity allows you to connect mm, to exactly. you. Exactly. And so for my husband, that's running. Yeah. And he, when he goes out for a run, it clears his mind and he feels a sense of freedom and peace that he doesn't really get when he's on a yoga mat. So, you know, that's his, that's his yoga. And so how do you feel like now as a mother of two gorgeous little boys, Leo and Felix? Well, and Jet, let's not forget Jet. Yeah, 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 mother of three. Mother of three. (laughs) What is the key thing that you want to pass on to them? Like, what are the three big lessons that you want to carry through? Such a great question. And it's so important as a parent, I think, to really consider that question. And for me, the first thing is for them to grow up in nature and have a close relationship with nature. Mm. I really believe that being in nature is the best way to regulate yourself, your nervous system. You know, I'd much rather them feel that closeness with nature that they can go out and feel calm and free than them having to, you know, turn to drugs or whatever. I mean, people have exploration so you never know what they'll do but I just think that's a really good grounding to have and then um the other thing is that I I think it's very important to do your own work emotionally to be able to support them to have their emotions without needing to shut them down and it's so hard as a parent to hold space for children and it's already happening with my children they're 15 months but they they have 
big feelings, you know? And you sometimes are so exhausted yourself and so depleted that to be around that level of frustration or anger or upset is triggering for you. And you're like, no, no, stop. That's enough. I don't want to hear that. And that's the worst thing that you can do to them because then you shut down their emotions and make them feel like they can't have them. So a huge thing for me is being able to hold space for them to experience whatever emotion that they're having and be able to stay grounded enough myself to let them have that. And so one of the things that I'm really keen to do is get one of those, I don't know if you've seen those like emotion wheels where it literally, it names the emotions. And I think that really helps people to feel okay and feel better to to know what they're feeling, you know? So I'll be able to teach them like, okay, this is irritation, this is frustration, this Mm. is whatever else, you know? So, or, you know, joy (laughs) and delight and all of that stuff. But I think the challenge comes with the big emotions that adults themselves can't bear to feel. And so then they stop their children from having that. And so if you... If you know we don't we don't have children, how can we apply that valuable skill to ourselves? I think it's literally noticing when an emotion comes up and giving yourself the space yeah. to feel it. Yeah. I mean, I often say about yoga, and one of my great teachers, Mona, always says like, "We're here to learn to better feel, not to feel better necessarily, but to better." feel because most of us have no idea how to feel what we're feeling probably because we got shut down when we were kids so I think you know being able to be gentle and kind enough with yourself to go it's okay to be angry it's okay to be annoyed it's okay to be whatever I am I just need to give myself the space and the time to feel it so that then I can let it go otherwise the charge remains you know and I think I was said to you on another time we were chatting about this um 90 second rule which I love and basically scientifically as soon as you have an emotion that comes probably from the thought first in the neocortex but then the limbic brain responds with an emotion or maybe it's vice versa they're basically you know linked but once that emotion comes it comes through the body and then it remains in the body for only 90 seconds. The actual charge remains in the body for 90 seconds. So if we carry on with that emotion for longer than 90 seconds, we're actually making a choice to do that. And that's so interesting because if we can say, this is how I feel right now, and then check in 90 seconds later, do I still feel it? Not really. Can I be emotionally mature enough and courageous enough to let it go and move on. And it's like, yeah, I think I can. And actually a great um, teacher who I also love is Joe Dispenza. And he talks about how, you know, an emotion is an emotion and we're not trying to stop it and we're not trying to change it. But if you let that emotion carry on, it becomes your mood. And then if you let that mood carry on, it becomes your temperament. And then if you let that temperament carry on, it becomes your personality. Absolutely. And your identity. And your identity. And then we think that's it. Yeah. We're stuck I'm, in that. I can't change. No, nope, no, nope. that's just how people don't change. I can't change. I hear that all the time. Yeah. And now there's this new thing about on the internet, like, you know, be unapologetic, be yourself. 
But I feel like somehow that's, I mean, I get where it's coming from, if it's coming from the place I would like it to come from. But then it kind of gives, it gives people like a permission slip to just go and act like a dick. I completely agree. It's like, yeah, give yourself permission to feel what you feel, but then also give yourself permission to know that you can actually change. I think that's such a hugely undervalued Mm. kind of concept that we have the power through the way that we think to actually create and create change and it it's so difficult and I'm not saying you can do it alone and of course you need your community and your support system Mm. and dear friends and whatever but if you decide I want this to be my life I want my life to be full of wonderfully important conversations and I want my life to be full of you know caring for the planet or my children or I want to create a business or whatever we have the power and the resources to do that from nothing you know Mm. and I know uh, it's difficult in terms of privilege and some people have a massive head start and stuff like that but actually anyone can Mm. with the right support and tools create serious change and so for people who don't know where to start looking for that support who don't know where to ask for help what Mm. would you recommend I honestly think and this is also part of my wind down um that picking up an empty book piece of paper notepad whatever and taking a pen and sitting down and just seeing what happens is one of the most powerful things that you can do because journaling is like holding up a mirror to parts of yourself that you don't notice or see and the things that come out are sometimes so surprising Mm. and so insightful and that would that realization or that that whatever that is that's come out would not have been recognized or seen or noticed if it wasn't for that journal and so I've often had people because I've done like journaling workshops and stuff and I've had people say oh I I don't like journaling it's not for me and of, of course you know we can choose and find the right things that do resonate with us but it is an insightful sort of activity for anyone and I've had people who've been like no hate journaling find it awkward don't know what to do or say but then again for those who don't enjoy journaling or don't think that they enjoy journaling I think is what I ask my clients understanding what is it that you don't like about it and some Mm -hmm. people they just hate writing Mm. so do you think like voice notes or totally well I think voice notes are harder because you have to have already sort of formulated the sentence if you know what I mean whereas when you're journaling just words or like even scribbles can start the process you know I've had times where I felt so frustrated that I've literally just got my pen and just scribbled all over the page and then the next thing will be like a swear word or something and then that's the starting point and then from there I realize quite a lot of what's actually bothering me or what's happening yeah and so I think um you know people it's it's an interesting insight into your relationship with yourself Mm. because people say this is so awkward I don't know what am I going to say hi how's your day and I'm like yeah you can start there no problem but 
the more you do it, the more you develop this incredible relationship to yourself to the point now where, again, a bit embarrassing. When I start, I don't even notice I'm doing it. I write like, hello, my darling, darling girl. (laughs) And then I'm like, wow, that is so sweet. Because when I first started journaling, it was more like, "Mm, don't know what to write. It's cool. This feels weird. My toes are sore. Do you know what I mean? Just absolute rubbish. So it's really, it develops this beautiful relationship and I love it. And I also love seeing in my cupboard this shelf worth of journaling. And and you can dip in and you can see where you were four years ago and what you've overcome and what you've been through. And it's just, it's amazing. Acknowledgement of how far you've come as well is huge. Um, Even if it's, you know, moving centimetres per centimetres, it's it's moving. Yeah. and on that note of moving, <laughs> what is your wind down practice? So give us like three things. Like if I really want to challenge myself with something or something super, super easy and basic. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is easy and basic, but it's also massively underestimated is literally just breathe, breathing, consciously breathing and I find if I've had a difficult day or just a long day with the babies and they've kept me up from 5am till 8pm I can lie with them they have a floor bed so I put them to bed by lying with them I can lie with them and I can actually do a breathing exercise so that by the time I leave the room I already feel like a different person like I mean it's so easy to underestimate how powerful the breath can be mm. and yet it it is the sort of bridge the the messenger for our nervous system so we can literally go from the sympathetic stress state into the parasympathetic relaxation state after mm. 5 minutes of breathing it's mm. amazing so yeah that would be my small thing but the bigger thing that i do to wind down is just have my yoga mat rolled out or it doesn't have to be about yoga it's just about your body it's about coming back to the somatic self and so I even when I really don't want to like I really don't want to I just sit on it and see what happens and sometimes I'll do a 60 minute yoga class full of handstands and headstands and other times I'll literally just do like a child's pose breathe for a second maybe cry maybe not (laughs) I love that I really because I I, I'm a bit unwell these days and I just thought what am I going to do? And I wanted to ask you, like, if you're really unwell, what what does one do if they still want to get something done? Yeah. Just a, a exactly. child's pose. child's pose. Legs up the wall. Just lie yeah. on your back on the carpet or rug and put your legs up the wall and stay there for 10 minutes. And it is absolutely delicious. I mean, honestly. I think we all have, because of the environment and society in which we live, we very much prioritise our intellect and we think that the intellectual intelligence is the only one. But there are so many other layers of intelligence within us, one of which is the physical body. And and I think when we start to learn the body's language, then Mm. it's just so much richer, you know? We're not just trying to talk ourselves out of a bad day or trying to kind of come up analytically with a reason why we don't feel great we can actually just come into the body and then a lot of the answers are in there yeah the surrendering is difficult we haven't learned how to 
our guards are always up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to finish off on a really cool quote um, Louise uh, told me when we first spoke um, about this podcast was, she said, we ingest so much but can't quite digest it all. Well, I can say thank you very much because everything that you've, every piece of information today is very digestible. Good. It's very enriching for my personal toolbox, but I hope for everyone who's listening's toolbox. And they're all precious, precious things that we can carry on and feel a little bit more confident in, in what's in in it within us. Mm, well, it was an absolute pleasure. And I think the main takeaway, and often as a yoga teacher we say this to each other is very often what you're saying is also what you need to hear so the advice that I'm giving is also what I need to be hearing Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean it's really not like we've got it all figured out and everything's much easier now that we've got this toolbox I mean it helps enormously but there are still times where you forget about all of it and you're on your knees and you're like oh my god what do I do now Mm. and actually slowly over time you start to have this sort of more like intuition that like guides you and leads you back to sitting on the mat sitting down taking a breath even something like a tea ritual I know it's like so straightforward but instead of just putting the kettle on making a tea and looking at your laptop with it just actually mindfully make your tea and then sit down holding your mug smelling it letting the steam go on your face and then just drinking the tea without doing anything else Mm. sometimes it's enough (laughs) thank you Louise thank you thank you so much thank you so much for joining us on this episode of free the belly with Louise there's so much to take away from this conversation I mean a lot whoever you are wherever you are in your journey But one crucial point is that each and every one of us should find some time for self-reflection and meditation, no matter which activity works best for us. Please check out Louise's websites to hear more about her work at loupyoga.com or on Instagram at loudemonton. I will make sure to put a link below so that you get the right info. In the meantime, let us know if you have any questions or any thoughts that you'd like to discuss. And until next episode, be well and be free.